Let's go. Okay, welcome back to the Fit Fizz podcast, everyone. Today is the final, fifth and final episode of this trauma mini series. And today's aspect is all about trauma healing and trauma therapy options, some that you might have never heard of, especially if you haven't specifically looked into trauma therapy before. So I have a lot to share. This is going to be a long episode, but it's going to be so worth it, I promise. And I didn't want to split this into yet another part because it's time to move on to other things. Uh, I want to share with you that I have temporarily taken on full responsibility for the audio engineering and publication side of things for the podcast since the cost of that was holding me back and preventing me from doing longer episodes. So I hope you don't mind if it sounds a little bit less professionally produced. Uh, I already had some feedback that other people couldn't tell the difference. I could, but we're going to go with it no matter what. And I feel good about it. So no need to tell me it sounds fine. But because I'm going to believe it sounds fine no matter what. But hopefully you don't mind in exchange for having longer episodes. So if you notice some little hiccups, though, uh, you know, like my episodes are probably going to be released at odd times. Please don't judge me too harshly. I'm still trying to figure out how certain things work. Uh, but it's better done than perfect, especially when you don't have a budget. So that is my state of the Fit Fizz podcast address. Uh, but I do still have hosting costs and other things like that. So if you'd like to support the show and get Fit Fizz discounts in return, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Kelly Wilson. And you can check it out, check out the rewards and you that you get stuff back for helping out to support my vision for as little as $1 a month. So in case you're new to the Fit Fizz podcast, I'm Kelly Wilson, owner of fitfizzstudio.com. I am a certified trainer, nutrition coach, behavior change specialist, autoimmune disease educator, and I've worked in the health and fitness industry for over 25 years. I'm here to help you ditch the gimmicks, find strength through your struggles, give you knowledge for making the smartest choices for your own health, and to remind you to celebrate victory all along the way. The information shared is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing should be interpreted as an intent to diagnose, treat, cure, heal, or prescribe. All right. Along with healing and therapy, there's another thing I want to point out that is related to trauma. And that is the phrase trauma-informed. If this is the term that is new for you, you'll probably start to hear it more often if you just pay attention and have your ears opened up to it. I've also been hearing and seeing that a lot of schools are offering courses for their staff, for their uh, teachers to make sure that they are trauma-informed. And personally, I think it's important for anyone who works with people to be trauma-informed, whether it's personal trainers, coaches, teachers, massage therapists, and even managers in corporate offices. We hear so much from corporations about be kind this and have more empathy for that. But if we were to really look at what the intentions behind these phrases are, they're really said because we are surrounded by trauma responses all of the time, talked about that last week, whether we're aware of it or not. Most people are not aware of what trauma responses look like. So definitely listen to the rest of the series if you're just jumping in right now. Uh, give you a lot of baseline knowledge on tr what trauma responses are. So when we hear businesses talk about wanting to be more human and be more caring and having more empathy, if they really wanted to put their money where their mouth is, they would be investing in trauma-informed training for managers. But at this point in time, 
I personally have yet to hear of it. And I do spend quite a lot of time on LinkedIn. So it's fine to be kind and have empathy. But if we really want to care about people, we need to be trauma informed. The reason I say this is because sometimes being kind is not enough. If someone has an emotional breakdown at work, which has happened to me many times in the form of trauma responses, then I'd be stuck with dealing with carrying the shame of it happening at work and repercussions at work and trying to explain an unexplainable thing to coworkers because when it happened to me, I didn't even know what trauma responses were, even though I was going through it. And I've seen it happen to many coworkers over the years in many instances. I think it's pretty safe to say that I've probably never had a manager who was trauma informed. And I think that's pretty unfortunate. I think things are starting to change now as far as being able to show emotions in the workplace. But I remember roughly 10 years ago, there was a best-selling book by a female author. And the book was called, If You Have to Cry, Go Outside. It was mainly meant for, it was a business book mainly meant for women. And it would basically had the idea behind it that it's super unacceptable to show emotions at work. And I remember when it came out and uh, P- Facebook was, you know, really getting really popular. A lot more, a lot more of my friends were new to Facebook and some of them were posting about this book and how great it was on social media. And I remember thinking, there is no way I am reading that book from this judgy woman telling me that I am not allowed to cry at work. Because as I've said before, I'm really terrible at holding my feelings in. So I have cried at work many times and had trauma responses because my paychecks, healthcare options, and demanding bosses were all collectively so horrible that getting therapy was extremely difficult in terms of money and scheduling it, even though I had healthcare and a regular paycheck. Scheduling it was always a problem for me. And basically, I had to use an entire vacation day if I wanted to go most of the time, because being the emotional person that I am, and carrying around years of unaddressed trauma from abusive relationships, religious trauma, sexual assault, to name a few things, I was carrying a really heavy load of suppressed issues and trauma. So when Anytime I wanted to go to therapy, the floodgates uh, would of heavy, heavy sobbing would open anytime I went to therapy. And it was very uncontrollable for me. Like once it started, it was hard to turn it off. So I couldn't just go to therapy early in the day and then show up at work because there would be no hiding my puffy eyes and red face. Like it would be very clear that I had seriously been crying and then I couldn't shut it off. And then I wasn't able to go after work because I'd be up all night crying because that's what happened to me every time I went to therapy. So I couldn't go after work and because I'd be up all night crying and not sleeping and I wouldn't be normal for work the next day. So it was always a lose-lose situation for me. It was always a battle. And this is the kind of thing that you don't really just want to talk about at work because people will look at you weird because they're not always your friends. And they're not trauma informed. So finally, at the last full-time, full-time job that I had right before I got laid off in 2016, for the first time in my adult life, I was finally making enough money to pay my bills and have a little bit left over for real therapy and things like chiropractic appointments. And at that time, I already knew 
that I hated everything about corporate offices because I had been burned so many times. So I quit caring about office apologetics and I flat out told my boss, hey, I'm going to need this day off to go to therapy. But predictably so. He was obnoxious about it and saying that he couldn't promise that I could have the day off, etc. Even when I was super upfront about it, he had no empathy, certainly wasn't trauma informed. So it was like he was saying, I couldn't make this appointment to take care of my mental health. So I flat out told him I needed the entire day because I wasn't going to show up at work after having that kind of emotional release, then feel like I was being punished for it by having my coworkers look at me weird and say predictable and insensitive things like, oh my God, what's wrong? Oh my God, have you been crying? Because even if I did feel comfortable telling them why I had been crying, it would still be so raw that I would start crying at work and that wouldn't be good. And I'm sure it would be used against me. So it just, it felt like a lose-lose situation. And Anyway, so these bosses, they were super hard-headed about it. They were not letting people work from home. So it just wasn't an option. I, I couldn't win. It was very frustrating. And I say all of this to reemphasize a huge point that I mentioned last week, which is don't ever tell someone you need help or you need therapy with that kind of ad- an attitude. Because if you say it to be a jerk, you're part of the problem with that stigma around mental health. And if you say it because you think you're caring, well, there are probably 2,000 better ways to get the message across than to say it like, uh, you need help. And saying it that way is probably the least caring way that I can think of. Because even when I was at the best place in my life to be able to afford therapy and I was willing to go and I had a health plan from my employer to help cover the cost, they still made it nearly impossible for me to go. So over the time span of 20 years of my adult life, that was the easiest time it was for me to get to therapy. And if I had someone to maybe hold me when I got home and quote unquote, fill my bucket with love and understanding after an extremely emotionally exhausting therapy appointment. Maybe I could have cried for not quite as long, but I didn't have that. That was my reality. So again, I'm begging, please don't ever throw out that phrase, get help or you need therapy. Unless you're willing to pay for all of it, and make sure you can arrange their schedule and to hold an endless amount of emotional space. Otherwise, there are just better approaches that aren't so completely insensitive. And this comes back to the importance of being trauma-informed. Trauma-informed people have the sensitivity training needed to not be jerks to people when they have a trauma response. And trauma-informed people realize the importance of breaking the habit of casually throwing around the word crazy to describe things. And they see how when they throw around that word crazy in just casual conversation that it is enabling the stigma of mental health. So I encourage you all to try to be more trauma informed. This is an outstanding first step by listening to all five parts of this mini series. I'm at a point in my learning now with trauma where every time I see someone in a rage or acting irrational or behaving in a way that's extreme, I see a traumatized person. That doesn't excuse bad behavior, but it does mean that's probably a person with unhealed trauma, a person who hasn't had enough love or safety in their life to have someone open their eyes to the possibilities of healing. 
And I'd like to encourage you to try to do, to do that too. S try to see people in that way because once you can see that, it will enable you to react from a more loving place. And I think it's a good idea for you to take it upon yourself to find ways to just be more trauma-informed, like I said. If you do, it's totally going to make the world a better place overall. You know, if everybody does their part and do the work, like the t-shirt that's still on sale in the FitFizz shop. And as I've said before, corporations like to put up a front by putting the fact that they have diversity and inclusion programs on display. But what good are they really doing? They'll have, you know, past places I've worked, they've had, oh, diversity and inclusion event with, you know, oh, get an ice cream sandwich, uh, sandwich sponsored by diversity and inclusion. What good is that doing? An ice cream sandwich isn't helping anybody just because people get to work maybe 30 minutes less a day if they want to go do that. But do they even have trauma-informed managers? That would actually be helpful than spending money on ice cream sandwiches. Maybe send some managers to trauma, to uh, classes to become trauma informed. Uh, maybe take it upon yourself to bring that up at work and see if they'll pay for some training. And if not at work, then do it on your own for yourself, for your family, for your VIP section in life who deserves to have a safe and understanding place held for them when they might have never had that kind of safety before. Okay, so let's get into what it means to begin healing on your own from trauma outside of traditional therapy. It can really be a lifelong thing. At any point in life, we're in a fight of love versus fear and growth versus complacency. And I think it's safe to say that it's in these times when we feel the most pull in those senses that that's when massive change can happen if we allow it. I've learned this the hard way more times than I could count. And as you probably know from my story, I'm right in the thick of, thick of it these past few years. And I'm learning a lot myself. I've had to learn to keep reminding myself that even through traumatic things, that things don't happen to me, they happen for me so I can be better. Way easier said than done, I know. But I do try to embrace that idea, even on the days that seem the hardest. I'm not saying I always remember, but I really try and I'm getting better at it. Uh, change generally happens when we're feeling like we're an, at the end of our rope with something. That is why I always say that there's no such thing as balance. If you want to accomplish something truly great, if you're feeling polarized by any of these social events that are happening that are bringing up a lot of trauma to the surface for people, try to see that as a sign that it's time to work on any of the inner junk or toxic soup that's going on within your own trauma. If it's stirring up feelings inside of you, um, if and if maybe you don't tend to naturally feel those feelings, uh, then think of it as a good place to reconnect with why those feelings are there. And it might give you more of a sense of purpose in life and just, just to realize more ways that healing is possible. And another thing to consider is that people who are highly sensitive or empathic or have intuitive or clairsentient gifts they have the power to be a really significant part of the healing the world needs as a whole. But if you are these people, um, 
whether you are or not, these people are a lot more likely to be affected by these disruptions in the world and the intense feelings that go with it. And also so much more likely to become affected by disease or dis-ease in their own bodies as, as a manifestation of how all of this stuff happens and they feel it all. Um, and not just feeling it, but it manifests into disease. So if that is you, I want to encourage you not to run away because the world does need you. But it also means you got to take care of yourself first, kind of like how on an airplane, they always tell you to put on your own mask first. And please don't allow yourself to carry shame or guilt if you have to take care of yourself first. This is another big lesson that I had to learn the hard way, putting myself first. Don't learn the hard way like I did by constantly putting everyone else first until you end up with full-blown autoimmune disease. Healing begins with taking care of yourself in whatever way that is. And I know it can feel completely impossible if you have other people to take care of, but you've got to find a way. You really, really do. And talking to you, listening right now, there's a good chance that you, yes, you have some unaddressed trauma that you've been avoiding whether it's little t trauma, big t trauma, racial trauma, generational trauma, and even if you don't call it trauma, even if it actually is trauma, in situations like job loss, dealing with COVID, stress from work, uh, or you're, maybe you're starting to develop food sensitivities or insomnia, tend to that trauma. That's trauma. Be nicer to yourself and be more forgiving. This was really, really, really hard for me to learn. And you really got to rid yourself of shame and guilt. Man, I, I used to carry shame and guilt so, so heavily. And the, the destruction that it did in my life, that could be, that's its own episode too. I know I say that all the time, but it totally is. And when it comes to trauma healing, there are basically, it, there's desensitization involved. And there are basically two forms. One is healthy and one is not. Now, a person might go through trauma, they insist they're fine, that they insist that they are fine, or they put on a brave face for the family, they shove that emotional pain down deep inside, and they become desensitized in that way. That's the unhealthy way, because they're in denial, refusing to feel the feelings. And remember when I said you got to feel it to heal it? It's true. You have to feel all of the icky feelings, all of those feelings, good, bad, and ugly associated with trauma for however long it takes to get to get it all out of the body because remember suppressed emotions are suppressed energy negative energy that absolutely manifests itself into disease and if you don't feel it and if you don't heal it in this lifetime it's going to be passed on to where you're contributing to generational trauma but if you feel it and you heal it then you do eventually get to the other side where you're desensitized from the trauma in a healthy way because you've completed the circle. It's resolved. It's no longer taking up residency in your nervous system and your whole body is healthier because of it. And if you've been through trauma, maybe you've had people label you in hurtful ways like you're broken or you have baggage. I certainly have been labeled in those ways and I've been really hurt by it in the past, but no more. And that comes from doing the work. I like to say that. Can you tell? Doing the work with myself, in my head, with the thoughts where I allowed it to hurt 
It doesn't hurt me anymore because I healed it by realizing that anyone who says those things, they don't understand my truth. They don't know my whole story. And they're certainly not accepting of me. And so therefore, they don't matter or deserve to take up space in my life. What I've been through has made me who I am. And I'm pretty damn proud of who I am for making it through. People, the people who put those kinds of labels on others, well, I'm pretty sure that they would crumble at a fraction of the hardships and trauma that some other people have been through. So don't let anyone put those labels on you. Shake them right off. Do not let those labels weigh you down because they don't know what they're talking about. Some other things that I've learned in healing my own trauma that I'm going to share with you. Words of advice. Find reassurance that you're okay. Okay for the next minute. Okay for the next 10 minutes. Okay until, until whatever you can put a time frame on. Whatever that means for you. Emotional release is important. Now, as I've said before, I don't know what it's like to be the kind of person to hold things in. <laughs> and as much as people have wanted to paint that as a fault of mine, I know it's not. You got to let it out. Trust me, it feels good. Let those emotions out and you deserve it. Cry. Scream into a pillow. Cry in the shower. Cry wherever you need to. Get a pool noodle and hit things with it. Be mad. Anger is a natural human emotion. Realize this. So many people, especially girls. Oh my gosh, this drives me crazy. We're taught, especially girls, to be good, be a nice girl, go apologize. Enough of that. If nobody has ever told you it's okay or natural or normal to have anger and to be angry and to actually say to someone, I am mad at you, I'm telling you right now, it's okay. Not only is it okay, but it's healthier than to pretend that you're not if you really are. And if you learned those things as a kid, whatever trauma you went through as a kid, let that inner child sob, especially if you never have. We all have that inner child. And you also have to know when to stop so that you're not on a loop with emotional release. Maybe set a timer if you like that idea. Like set it for like, okay, I'm just going to let myself cry as hard as I want to for 10 minutes and then that's it. I'm going to breathe, pick things up and everything's going to feel better. And there's actually a theory. Uh, maybe it's uh, more than a theory. I think there's some actual science behind this, but you can look this up. And what it is, is that Emotions only last in the body for roughly 90 seconds, and anything beyond that is by choice. Now, this is something I could beg to argue, but every time I've looked it up to try to be like, that can't be true. What is that thing again? I look it up. The explanations always, always leave me thinking, hmm, yes, they're right. So it's pretty interesting stuff. I'll let you look that up on your own. Um, more of my advice to you before we get into more ways to, uh, to officially heal trauma. Connect with the earth, barefoot. You guys, I can't tell you how badly I wish I had the space to do this, but unfortunately, I have a teeny tiny yard and I know my neighbor's dog pees in it, which is also why I don't trust going to the park to do this because it seems like everybody has 15 dogs now. But if you can make this a habit, it's so good for you. And even if you can't get barefoot, but if you can get out in nature in any way at all, this is why people also love gardening so much. There is real science behind, behind how the vibration of the earth and the soil, it has the power 
to calm the nervous system, to bring anxiety down, to lower blood pressure. Also, breathing and taking the time to learn to breathe deeply and pace it in a way to calm the nervous system and bring the body out of that state of fight, flight, freeze. There are endless resources about breathing and, you know, they're breathing therapeutically in different ways. So a simple search is all, so is all you need to do. That's all I'm going to say on that. But a very, very simple tip if you don't want to look it up, make your exhale last longer than your inhale. That kind of sends a signal to your brain that you're safe. So I'm going to say it again. Your exhale should last longer than your inhale. So think about it. If you want to think about it in terms of breathe in for four, breathe out for six counts or breathe in for three counts, breathe out for five or six counts like that. So we have these simple things that you can do on your own that will bring your body out of a state of fight, flight, or freeze and calm the nervous system. And they're great and free and they can all be very healing. So now I'm going to mention a few forms of healing that you can look into that aren't quite in the category of actual therapy but they are more structured forms of bringing, bringing healing into the body, and they might or might not require the help of, a, help of a professional. And what I mean by that is kind of like yoga or working out. You can do it on your own, and it can be effective, but if you can afford it and you're not super experienced with doing yoga or working out on your own, you'll probably get way more out of it if you work with a trainer, right? So that's kind of what I mean by that. So whether it's taking a course online or um, finding free webinars. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be in person. So there's something called tapping, which you can look into for a way of starting to heal. Sometimes it's called EFT or emotional freedom technique. And I might do a whole episode on this one day. This is something that I used quite a lot in 2017 when I was really, really in the depths of unresolved trauma and autoimmune stuff and I couldn't afford food, let alone therapy. And I, I really needed something because I was really just drowning in my feelings and it was intense. So tapping really worked for me. And it's pretty simple. It's free. It doesn't take a lot of time. And the more you do it, the more effective it is. And I'll admit I'm one of those people I need. I'm one of those people I need like every single drop of information that you have for me to understand something before I'm ready to jump into it. I'm that person who reads instruction manuals cover to cover. I need all the information for anything. I'm either all in or I'm all out. So even with certain types of trauma healing, like tapping, for example, you have to put your trust in it, even though the explanation might sound a little bit silly. And, but if I can do it, you can do it. So in order to keep, in order to keep it concise for today, if you don't know what tapping is, all I'm going to say is that it involves tapping repeatedly on certain meridian points on the body, like um, between the eyes and the chin and there are other points. And it's um, you, you tap on these meridian points of the body while you say certain things out loud that are related to whatever kind of stress or trauma that you're going through. And it's somewhat meditative. So if you're intrigued, definitely look it up. It's called tapping or you can look up EFT it stands for emotional freedom technique. 
Okay, here's something else that probably sounds a little bit too woo-woo and esoteric for some of you. And don't worry, I'm getting to the more concrete forms of traditional therapy very soon. But especially if you're experiencing all kinds of unresolved pain, it can't hurt to look into it, right? This is how I found this stuff because I was so desperate at the end of my rope. I was like, I've got to find, there's got to be better ways. And this is how I found it. Um, so I haven't tried this before, but if money were no object, I would totally, totally try this in a heartbeat. It's called constellation therapy, and it's specifically for healing generational trauma and getting help to break out of harmful generational patterns that create trauma. There are even experts who do this on some popular uh, mental health apps like betterhelp.com and goodtherapy.org. So it's not so far out there that you'd have to go like visit a shaman in the woods to find someone. Not at all. So that might be an option for you. Um, And once again, it's called constellation therapy, if you want to look it up. So moving on to more types of healing, I want to mention a woman who I have personally learned a lot from through webinars and online courses. And she is someone who I'd consider to be a dream guest to interview here on the podcast, if I would ever be so lucky. And um, to have her go deeper on explaining how trauma affects each and every one of us in ways that we don't always realize. And her name is Irene Lyon. It's I-R-E-N-E, and her Lion is her last name, but it's spelled L-Y-O-N. And as always, like, I'm going to have a lot of links for this show. They will be in the show notes, and they will be on the website. So don't feel like you have to write everything down. I promise I'll put the links there. But um, And you can always find details for each podcast episode at fitfitstudio.com. But anyway, her website is irenelion.com, and she has tons of excellent free content and paid do-it-yourself courses as well. I highly, highly recommend anything by her. She also has a lot of great YouTube videos. All right. Another option is called something called TRE or Trauma Releasing Exercise. And there are videos on YouTube for this as well. You can even search for specialists where you live if you want to work with somebody on releasing trauma in this way. And what this is, this TRE, Trauma Releasing Exercise, is it's a series of exercises that assist the body in releasing deep muscular patterns of stress, tension, and trauma. And remember, even if you're experiencing something you would label as chronic stress, this might be a great option as well. Because even if this chronic stress is from work or daily life, it might be over, feel overwhelming to you because it's rooted in suppressed and unaddressed trauma. And again, that's called TRE or trauma releasing exercise. And so TRE is kind of related to this next type of movement practice called Feldenkrais. I'm going to spell it. It's one word, F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S. And there are uh, Feldenkrais practitioners. And once again, you can do some searching on YouTube, teach it, maybe teach yourself a little bit and see if it's something that might seem worth it to you to find a practitioner. And if you happen to love dance or yoga, you might really like this one. So Feldenkrais was founded by a man, his last name is Feldenkrais. He's a Ukrainian physicist. And um, it's not just great for trauma healing, but it's also great for stress relief, chronic pain, addiction recovery, and all kinds of things. And as we get older, 
I say that phrase a lot, don't I? As we get older, there are lots of movements that we just don't do in our daily lives, especially if we don't dance or do yoga. And sometimes releasing some of the pain of trauma that's held in different places of the body, it can be causing you pain and it can be released by doing new things like new types of movements. And I believe it's sort of related to the idea of chi or the energy of life itself and how energy needs to move through the body and it can also get stuck in the body. And the idea that negative energy, it can remain trapped or it can build up in the body over time and that's not healthy for us. So Feldenkrais will make a lot more sense to you if you can actually see people do it better than you can hear with just words. So I'm going to put a couple of links in the show notes as well so you can see it being done and also a link to where you can find Feldenkrais practitioners near you if you want to check in to see what that's like. So oh, I also want to mention that Irene Lyon, the woman who I just mentioned, she started out as a Feldenkrais practitioner. Then she became more focused on trauma coaching and healing one-on-one and therapy like that. Okay, ready for the next one? This next one is called the VU technique. And this technique is something super simple, super free. And it's used when you realize that you are in a panic mode or you're feeling that fight, flight, or freeze feeling coming on. So it's you use this when you're in it. And it's called the VU technique, V-O-O. And because of the the sound you're going to make. I'm going to do it with you. And it's a way of using your breath to stimulate the vagus nerve, which is highly involved in the body's ability to calm itself. So what it is basically, I'm going to explain it, then we're going to do it. It's a long exhale with a voo sound. And it originated from Tibetan chants. Then it was adopted by a trauma therapist named Peter Levine, who I'm going to mention again later. Um, So when you do it, you're supposed to direct your breath into your belly. And it really helps if you put your hands there right on your belly. Take a long, deep breath all the way down to where your hands are. So feel that air really go in. Your belly should be nice and relaxed and it's going to expand. This is not the time to try to hold it in. And I want you to think of like a deep foghorn sound. So I'm going to demonstrate and we're just going to do it twice. And you can do it with me. But like when you do this on your own, you might want to do it for two or three minutes and just really take your time. So again, we're going to do two cycles. You can close your eyes and I want you to just try to really let the sound resonate. Okay, so hands on your belly. Close your eyes if you can. Relax your shoulders. Relax your jaw. Okay, take a deep, slow breath in. And deep breath in again. All right, how do you feel? That was only twice. Normally you would do more. But when you make this sound, it stimulates the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is really a fascinating thing that's often forgotten about in modern medicine. But it's really important to do things that purposely stimulate the vagus nerve and to let the body know that it's okay to feel calm, especially if you've been through trauma or if you're feeling stressed out. So 
there's sort of a blurred line between where some of these practices are considered alternative therapies versus traditional medical therapies, because it all really has to do with the mind, right? So if I had to draw a line, this is where I would draw that line between more alternative, and then now we're going to get into a little bit more uh, traditional, more concrete therapies. But there's still validity to everything that I have already mentioned. And Today in the year 2020, we're starting to be see a lot more traditional therapists who went to regular medical school who are now embracing one or more of these types of alternate therapies, which I think is really great. And I think that number is going to steadily increase. And since all of this is having to do with the brain and mental health, it's all sort of intangible, right? Because so much of trauma has to do with thoughts and feelings and our reactions to them. And it's all so individual. That's why I'm telling you about all of these different options. And maybe you haven't heard of some of them. Um, I certainly hadn't heard of them until I really specifically looked for trauma therapy. And it was like this whole world opened up. And I realized that going to see any old therapist was absolutely not working for me after many years of wasting money. And I had realized that prescription drugs and wasting money that way, uh, prescription drugs for depression and anxiety were absolutely not working for me. And let me emphasize, emphasize for me, they were not working for me. They're great for some people. They simply didn't help me. But here's a big point that I want to make and another term that I want to make part of your vocabulary if you've never heard it before, and that is the term mental injury as opposed to mental illness. And it's unfortunate that after trauma occurs and it affects a person and people are told that they are mentally ill, we slap that label on them. Doctors slap it on and then our friends and family slap it on after we get a diagnosis. And when in actuality, a more accurate, accurate term for some instances would be mentally injured from trauma, like abuse, oppression, racism, classism, rape, job loss, death, heartbreak, etc. Because that's what it is. It's an injury from an event, from, event from trauma. And part of the body, the brain, it is injured from that trauma. Most medical doctors are not trained in trauma. They are not trauma-informed. They are not aware of how trauma manifests into disease. And they often don't offer or even know about resources that are available to tr that could transform people's lives so that they can actually heal and not just have this diagnosis slapped on them with some medication and to actually help, help them heal so they don't have to live with terrorizing effects that trauma has left on their lives. So usually what happens and what happened to me far too many times is I was living with the emotional pain of trauma and everyone around me said, you need help. And doctors said, take this pill. And not one person said, let's heal this trauma. Here's the starting point. And I've had to develop so much love for myself around that singular fact that nobody steered me in the right direction to heal until 20 some years later when I finally stumbled upon better answers myself. And these better answers are everything that I'm sharing today. That's why we have an extra long episode, because I don't want to leave anything out, because I want to help steer others so they can avoid pain. That's why I do this podcast. I didn't start this podcast to hear myself talk or to make money or to gain a following. I want to help 
because I know what so many different kinds of real pain feel like. And to be gaslighted by everyone, including doctors, telling me, oh, you're fine, or you're just depressed. And I know there are countless others out there who are told the same thing by doctors, and they don't have anyone to guide them. So it's just really sad that managing trauma for a majority of people has become taking antidepressants, and that's it. So if you talk to trauma therapists, experts in trauma, they agree that medication should only be a step one in a series, not the end, not the fix. We constantly hear people say things like, we really have a mental health problem in this world. But then they turn around and they act like antidepressants are the answer. When in fact, being part of the solution for the mental health problem means seeing those things like seeing medication is nothing more than a tiny putting a tiny band-aid on a gaping bleeding wound and sure a tiny band-aid if that's all you have sure use it but don't expect the bleeding to stop more steps have to be taken to make the bleeding stop and it's time to start realizing that a lot of what we call quote unquote mental illness is in fact mental injury due to trauma. And a lot of these traumas are brushed under the rug or shrugged off with a sense of pride. Weird flex, but okay. (laughs) It's okay to admit you're an injured person, mentally or emotionally and physically. It takes a stronger person to admit that than to pretend that you're fine when you're really not. And I know that from a lot of experience as well. And sometimes we don't have the strength to admit it to ourselves because admitting it does in fact mean that there is more emotional pain on the way because in order to feel it, you got to get through it. And when another thing that I, big point I have to make is that no one ever healed from trauma and regretted it. So as painful as it might be to feel all those emotions that you really don't want to feel, it's always, always worth it. And The Facebook group that I mentioned before where people are deconstructing from religion, there are hundreds of people in there who have been through really serious, intense religious trauma. And it's an extremely complicated thing to unpack because most people are indoctrinated into religion from the time they are children. They are not given a choice. And so I have some pretty strong feelings about that, too, which I won't get into here. But If you have trauma that stems from childhood, that's some really, really, really deep stuff. And that can take decades to heal. Can. It doesn't have to take that long. But one form of therapy that I've heard great stories about from that Facebook group and how effective it is, is called EMDR. And um, it's really effective. It treats PTSD. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And this is something that I've been wishing for years now that I had the money to do. And I'm absolutely going to do this as soon as it's financially possible for me. I'm 100% certain that for me, it could totally be life changing as far as healing trauma and everything that has caused me emotional pain since I was a teenager. And as soon as I'm able to do it, I'm absolutely going to share my entire experience with you. There have been extensive studies done on EMDR therapy, and this is it has healed people even with the most severe cases of PTSD or what we now know as PTS in all kinds of people. It typically takes about eight treatments and then people often report just experiencing a great amount of healing even after the first treatment. Essentially how it works is a therapist talks to the patient 
they go through the experiences that cause the trauma. And with eye movement, directed by the therapist, they basically create new neural pathways in the brain to break the patterns that are causing the PTSD. So it's biologically connected to the eye movements that we experience in the REM phase of sleep. So while you're going through it, the person will experience probably intense feelings that are associated with the traumatic event in it, but it will be redirected or sort of rewired. And it basically results in the person being totally transformed on an emotional level. Some people have described it not only having their emotional wounds healed, but completely erased. And the very fact that this works is reason enough to reemphasize the need for the term mental injury. So mental injury and not just mental illness in some cases. Things like schizophrenia, yes, I'd call that mental mental illness still because it's lifelong. It definitely needs medication and medical supervision. But having depression, anxiety, or PTSD when it's when it clearly stems from trauma, it's not an illness. It's not a, well, too bad. Here's your diagnosis. Now run along and live your life. It can be healed, just like a broken arm can be healed. You break your arm. The arm was traumatized, right? Like blunt force trauma. And we don't call a broken arm an illness because we know it can be healed. And trauma is the same way. A m- mental injury due to trauma, it can be healed. And unfortunately, EMDR does cost money, usually a lot of it. But if you're lucky enough to have some kind of partial healthcare coverage, uh, and many people aren't, including me, so let's not forget to link this back to why we started this whole trauma series in the first place. Racism and systemic oppression and marginalized people and undocumented workers, people living in poverty who have so many systems just working against them. They can't win. There's a vast number of people who don't have access to this kind of thing. And it's so, 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 so unfortunate. And I still have more therapy options to talk about. But this is a good place to remind you to share this with someone who might be struggling with some kind of trauma, who might not have the financial means, or might not know that these options exist. So they can find hope even they can know that there's a way. It might be far out of reach. It feels so far out of reach even for me at this time, but I'm going to figure out a way someday. I'm willing to say no to social events and birthday parties for the next 10 years if I have to in order to save my pennies because I know that I need this therapy and it's far more important to me to get there than spending money on snacks or restaurants or movies. So that's how I'm going to get there if that's what it takes. So All right. Are you still with me? I know this is a long episode. It's a lot to take in, a lot of heavy information. So hanging in there with me, let's all grab a sip of water. All right. I'm going to take a sip of water too. We've got to hydrate. All right. You can hit pause if this is a lot to take in, Um, but I hope you'll come back, do what's best for you. And remember, all of this info will be on my website. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I have a few more types of therapy to tell you about. Let's get excited about therapy. <laughs> all right, so the next kind, a lot, of, uh, a lot of abbreviations here. The next kind is called TIR. It stands for Traumatic Incident Reduction. So this is a method of effectively reducing traumatic stress from emotionally and or physically painful events from the past. So it involves re-experiencing past traumas 
in a completely safe environment, free from distractions or judgments. And this is more for people who have basically blocked out traumatic experiences or they're just starting to realize that they had previously blocked out those kinds of experiences. And when this happens, the brain's doing it as a protective mechanism. So it's not by choice. But even so, it doesn't make the trauma any less painful for the person. And this type of therapy fully examines what has been blocked and it helps the person to re release the neurological resistances that they have built up, that they are blocking. And then they usually, uh, they work through unblocking these traumatic events, and then the patient will begin to have new realizations about the event, and then new forms of therapy can be decided upon at that point, depending on how they're feeling and what they're working with. So that one, again, is uh, TIR, Traumatic Incident Reduction. I'll have a couple of links for that. Next kind is called somatic therapy. So sometimes this is also called somatic experiencing, sometimes abbreviated as just SE therapy. And it was developed by Dr. Peter Levine, who also, I already mentioned him once, and I'm going to tell you more cool stuff about him. So he began, he began creating somatic therapy um, after he made this connection that animals experience trauma in the wild all the time. And they in intrinsically know how to release the internalized energy. They experience trauma, they process it, and they, released the, they release the energy. They're very good at it. Humans, not so good at that. We hold on to it. A lot of that has to do with shame and society. And as humans, we're just not good at tuning into the signs that we need to regulate our nervous system when it's overloaded. So somatic experiencing works to help people to move past a place where they might feel, quote unquote, stuck due to shame or guilt or judgment from others. And when doing this type of therapy, the person will basically be subjected to talking through traumatic events. And the practitioner is then trained to analyze how their breathing changes and how their body language changes as they go deeper into these feelings and they talk about it. And the practitioner is trained to proceed in a way that doesn't further traumatize the patient. And they basically help to recondition the person to be able to self-regulate at any time that they start experiencing any of these post-traumatic symptoms. And they learn how to feel safe in their everyday life. So once again, that is somatic therapy or somatic experiencing. And a little bit more on Peter Levine. So he's really super notable in the world of trauma healing. He also calls this type of therapy titration, which is a word that's typically used in chemistry when you're mixing things together. And it basically means to like continually add and measure and adjust things. Like if you add a little bit, then check to see if it's okay. Then you add a tiny bit more and you check it again. That's titration. So with his somatic therapy, he calls it a titration approach because it's a form of slowing down while healing so as not to overload the body's systems. And this can be a really good starting point for people who have experienced extremely, extremely intense types of trauma, such as years of childhood sexual abuse or when trauma is still too raw and fresh to try something like EMDR therapy. And 
Dr. Peter Levine, he also wrote a really popular book called Waking the Tiger. And I'm just going to read a short synopsis that I took from Amazon. I'm going to have a link to the book for you in the show notes as well. But Waking the Tiger normalizes the symptoms of trauma and the steps needed to heal them. People are often traumatized by seemingly ordinary experiences. The reader is taken on a guided tour of the subtle yet powerful impulses that govern our responses to overwhelming life events. To do this, it employs a series of exercises to help us focus on bodily sensations. Through heightened awareness of these sensations, trauma can be healed. Pretty cool, right? And also, here is a really great question quote from Peter Levine that I had to share with you. So this is a quote from him. Trauma is a fact of life. It does not, however, have to be a life sentence. I thought that was really great. So if you feel like you want to explore finding a practitioner for any of these types of therapy, I'll have links on my website. And I'm also going to add them to a document in my Facebook group. I'd love for you to join us there. Just search for Fit Fizz Raw Energy Oasis on Facebook. So we're almost done. We're getting to the end. I want to also make sure that you know that there's currently no standard degree that people need for giving trauma therapy or for being a trauma-informed practitioner. So if you're looking for trauma therapy, you should look for a therapist who can explain in great detail the difference between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Ask them. That's something that you can, that's a way that you can phrase things to kind of test them. Ask them if they understand the polyvagal theory. That's something that would be fun to do on a podcast too. But if you're looking for a therapist and you want to test them a little bit, ask them if they know about polyvagal therapy as a way to sort of check their legitimacy. Look for credentials on their website. And you can also see if they have any reviews on a website called ratemytherapist.net. So, A few closing thoughts to tie this all together for all of these episodes. There's so much attention given to fixing a certain behavior or a mood rather than fixing what caused it. And what caused it is often trauma. A lot of times the people who are the most unable to see the trauma that's going on with you when you're in emotional pain A lot of times those are people who are in denial of their own deep emotional pain or unprocessed trauma. So you can't always rely on others to validate what you might be going through as a result of trauma. Something else I learned the hard way. And emotional pain and wounding comes from basically not getting the feelings that you needed at a certain time. You didn't get safety at a certain time when you needed it. You didn't get love at a certain time when you needed it. You didn't get understanding at a time when you needed it. And that's not your fault. I really need you to know that so much that I'm going to say it again. Emotional pain and wounding comes from not getting the feelings that you needed at a certain time when you needed it. And if you can't get it, you you know, we can't rely on other people for that, unfortunately. Some people are lucky enough to have that, but we have to learn to be able to find that for ourselves. And sometimes it's impossible. You know, if you're in a head-on collision in your car, you're not going to be able to find safety. But a lot of the resulting emotional distress 
we have to learn to own that. Again, something I really, really learned the hard way. Um, Our outer experiences, they are a reflection of our internal realities. So if you're not experiencing trauma yourself, but if you start to see it in others, what you're experiencing is your current level of consciousness saying, let's take things up a notch with some action by helping. Take this as your sign to help by sharing resources, by holding emotional space for their pain if you can. But also take that with the disclaimer to take care of yourself, your mind, and your body first so that you're healthy enough for the fight ahead. And again, join the Facebook group if you would like to discuss any of your thoughts or anything you learned in this trauma series. I'm really happy if you've made the investment for yourself to listen to all five of these episodes. So you should pat yourself on the back for that. And it's certainly a victory to celebrate. And as always, I hope that you will pass on this podcast to someone who you care about, who you think would be willing to learn from trauma and see what kind of options are out there for them. And we will pick up next week with a more lighthearted topic because this has been some really heavy lifting for doing the work, right? It has been heavy, but you are awesome, amazing. Hit the share button, join the Facebook group and let me know what you thought and what you learned. And until next time, breathe and start healing. Start healing some trauma and always celebrate victory. Celebrate victory.